It is Thursday, July 19th, 2023. This is Chip Stewart, and welcome to the Worthy of Sea podcast, where today we're going to talk about the world system. Uh, this topic I originally taught in July of 2021 to the men's group at Dunwoody Community Church, and it's the first of a series of teachings uh, which I described at the beginning of the episode entitled The Believer's Responsibility to the Truth, where I walked through um, this series of teachings and explained the thread that runs through them, how they're linked together, and how we got up to the topic of the believer's responsibility to the truth. So what the reason why I teach on the world system, the why I, I the reason why I think this is so um, essential is that it is absolutely fundamental for us as Christians to understand the world that we live in and the spiritual war that we're fighting. And if you don't understand your enemy, because we do have an adversary and, and it, it seems like perhaps in this day and age, we ignore the spiritual realm to our peril and the fact that we do have an adversary, the devil, who has um, legions of minions working for him. Um, if you don't understand uh, this enemy uh, or the God that you serve, you are making yourself vulnerable to spiritual attack. And... Um, if you know those of you who live in America, if you think that what I'm about to cover doesn't apply to America, I'm afraid you are gravely mistaken. You need to open up your eyes to what's going on because America is most certainly a part of the world system. So the way the way I'm going to approach talking about the world system is with a series of questions. Okay, so the the first question that that I ask is, what is the world system? Uh, generally in the Bible, it is um, referred to in the Greek as the cosmos. And when you look at um, Strong's Concordance, it defines cosmos as uh, an orderly arrangement, including its inhabitants. And um, additionally, the form of cosmos, the world system that I'm really going to be discussing uh, today um, can be looked at more as the present condition of human affairs in alienation from and opposition to God. And this usage can be found in passages like James chapter 1, verse 27, 1 John chapter 4, verse 5, and 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, among others. That's not an exhaustive list. Okay, so this world system which is the present condition of human affairs and alienation from and opposition to God, it contains people, which are referred to as the sons of disobedience, and they walk according to the course of it, according to its leader. And this is a, uh, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. We have to understand that this world system, it is not benign, it's not impartial, it's not neutral, and it's not innocuous. It is not amoral like a physical object, like saying a rock. It, it, it's not good or bad. It just depends on what somebody does with it. It's amoral, right? It is not amoral. It is a system or order of things that is the product of an intelligence. And the attributes of that intelligence, the desires, 
the, um, the objectives of that intelligence play out in it. Okay, so again, the world system is not impartial or neutral because there's an intelligence behind it. So who is this intelligence? Who is in charge of the world system? Well, the Bible tells us it is Satan, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. In John chapter 14, verse 30, refers to, like, to it like this, For the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. So this is Jesus speaking to his disciples prior to his betrayal. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, talks about it, talks about him uh, as a principality, the principality's powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So that's Satan and all those minions I was speaking about earlier, all the, the demonic, the fallen angels, demonic creatures um, that are in allegiance with him. Um, 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 says, you know, We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. Okay, This is a critical verse because it tells us that Satan is in charge of this world system that we see. Now, that doesn't mean that God has lost his sovereignty because he has not. God is sovereign overall, and he allows things and he disallows things. So God is still sovereign, but right now Satan is in, controls the world system that we see. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 refers to him as the God of this age. Little g, please. John chapter 12, verse 31, and chapter 14, verse 30, referred to Satan as the prince of this world. And then John chapter 8, verse 44, talks about Satan as being the father of those who are not Christians, those who have not been saved by God and made children of God by being born again. Okay? So we have this world system, and it is being run by Satan with the help of all, all the fallen angels, demonic creatures, um, all those folks that are working in conjunction with him in rebellion against God. So, based on who is in charge of the world system, Satan, and assuming that the system will take on the characteristics of its leader, what characteristics and activities should we expect to see manifest in the world system? Okay? So here it's run by Satan, so it's going the world system is going to take on the characteristics of Satan. So 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 6 tells us that Satan fell from pride. And in 1 John chapter 2 verse 16, he talks about the pride of life. So within the world system, we are going to see this bent toward pride, prideful behavior. Do you see it? Does it sound like something that you recognize in the world system? It does tend to play to our pride, doesn't it? So the Bible talks about Satan as an adversary and an accuser. So we're going to see a system that is adversarial to God and an accuser of the believers. Satan is a murderer, a liar, and a father of lies, according to John chapter 8, verse 44. So we're going to see murder, 
in the world system, and we're going to see lies, lots of them. Satan is the tempter. Matthew chapter 4, verse 5, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 5. So we are going to see temptation in the world, temptation for people to sin. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8 says the devil has been sinning from the beginning. So we're going to see plenty of sin in the world, missing the mark, disobeying God and what God has commanded. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, The wages of sin is death. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 talks about the lusts of the eyes and the flesh, as does Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. And also, Romans chapter 1, verse 32, talks about people within the world system and the world system applauding those who practice evil. So it's going to encourage people to practice evil, and it's going to applaud them for it, reward them for it. So Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, talks about Satan as the one who leads the whole world astray, one who deceives the entire world. So you're going to see deception in this world because Satan is a deceiver and his world system is going to deceive humans. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 4 tells us that Satan blinds minds of people to the gospel. So this world system is going to attempt to blind people to the gospel message. Matthew chapter 13, verse 19 talks about it in a, in a, in a similar way where it steals the gospel away. This is from the parable of the sower. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 25, and then also in verses 38 through 39, it tells us that the world system and Satan are going to sow counterfeit Christians among believers. The tares among the wheat, if you will. In Isaiah chapter 14, verse 14, Satan says, I will be like the Most High. So what we're going to see in the world system is Satan's desire to be worshipped. And there's a few verses that support that, one of them being Isaiah verse four, uh, chapter 14, verse 14, Matthew chapter 4, verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 20, and Revelations chapter 13, verse 4, and also 15. Additionally, He's saying, I will be like the Most High. He will put himself in the place of God. So that is Antichrist. Antichrist can be thought of two ways. It's against God and in place of God. So the world system will put Satan in the place of God. You will see demonic activity in the world system. Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. And Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9 says, we will see signs and lying wonders. Also in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, we will see lawlessness. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 
says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Are you seeing more lawlessness in the world system these days? We're going to see an abundance of lawlessness. Satan goes about as a roaring lion, seeking those he may devour. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. So we're going to see that sort of activity. The world system is going to attack the saints. Ephesians chapter 6, 6 verses 11 through 18. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. We're going to see a seed at some point because Genesis chapter 3, verse 15 says Satan has a seed, which is normally interpreted as the the Antichrist. Satan will be masquerading as an angel of light within the system. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. We're going to see false prophets in this system. 2 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 1. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. And then we're going to see antichrists. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. So that's, that's a, a lot of different things that we're going to see in this world system. And... None of it's really good, is it? So the next question I'm going to pose is, what are this leader's plans for the world system? So 1 John chapter 2, verse 18 says that Satan plans to establish the Antichrist, also wants the world system to worship him, and also to destroy or persecute God's children. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11 through 18, 1 Peter Chapter 5, verse 8, 1 Thessalonians, chapter 2, verse 18, Revelation, chapter 20, verse 4, where it talks about beheading the saints. Okay? We see this desire for control, for complete control of the world system and, and the persecution and riddance of the children of God. So how does the world system view God? It hates Christ, John chapter 15, verse 18. It hates the Father, John chapter 15, verse 23. It persecuted Christ, John chapter 15, verse 20. It does not know God, John chapter 15, verse 21. It does not glorify God, Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Is The world system is not thankful to God, Romans 1, chapter 21. The world system is in opposition to God, and God will speak to us about that here very quickly. Next question, how does God view the world system, its people, and its ruler? So we talk about the characteristics of the world system, its leader, kind of what its objects are, how it behaves. Well, now let's see what God says about it. First in John chapter 16, verse 33, he tells us that Christ has overcome the world. In John chapter 17, verse 9, Christ, in this, in the high priestly prayer, Christ did not pray for the world, but for those whom the Father gave him. Okay, so he's praying for those who are saved out of the world. John chapter 18, verse 36 says, Christ's kingdom is not of this world. It's different. 
John chapter 12, verse 31 tells us about the judgment of the world and says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. So Christ is coming back and he is going to be ruler of this world, king of king, kings and lord of lords. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3 tells us that God sees its people as the children of wrath, God's wrath. 1 John chapter 2, verse 17 tells us that the world is passing away. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 tells us, Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? The wisdom of this world, this world system is foolishness. A little bit more about foolishness in 1 Corinthians, um, again, chapter 1, but this time verse 27 through 29. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. 1 Corinthians in chapter 3 verses 18 through 20, says, Let no one deceive himself. If any of you thinks he is wise in this age, he should become a fool, so that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight. As it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. And then the final thing I want to talk about uh, to mention when it talks about how God word, views the world system is that he will destroy it with fire. And he talks about that, Second Peter chapter 3, verse 7. So how does the world system view, treat Christians? So we already talked about how the world system um, viewed uh, God. So now what is this view on Christians? Well, it hates Christians, you know, like, like, the, like it hates the Father, like it hates Christ. It hates Christians. John chapter 15, verse 18, and John chapter 17, verse 14. The world, systems, per, world system persecutes Christians. John chapter 15, verse 20. The time is coming that whoever kills you will think that he offers God service. Talking about the persecution. John chapter 16, verse 2. In this world we will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Christ has overcome the world. John 16, verse 33. And I'm just going to take a pause here. Yeah, that's a question that I've heard posed many times. Why are Christians not being persecuted in, in the United States? And I think we're starting to see more of it. We're starting to see some. But it's not like in perhaps China or Iran or some of the other nations around the world. But why, why is that? And I'm not going to answer that um, during this episode or try to you know, propose you know, any, any reasons um, for it. But something that I'd like you to think about. Because you know, in the world, we will have tribulation. It tells us that we're going to be persecuted um, as Christians. Well, 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 why aren't we in America? Think about that. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 13, Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. That's because it hated Christ. It hates Christ. The world system wants to keep Christians from being fruitful. 
Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, where it talks about the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he, the believer, um, the person he's talking about here, becomes unfruitful. Okay, so the world system wants to keep us from bearing fruit. And then Matthew chapter 24, verse 9, they will deliver you to tribulation, will kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations because of my name. And that would be the name of Christ. Before I go on, I want to, I want to ask you, you know, what, what is making you unfruitful? Are the cares of this world? Are the deceitfulness of riches causing you to be unfruitful? Pray about it. And see what God reveals in your life. Because as we look at this world system, it is most likely the world system that is the reason for it. Something about it, because the world system is about lies. It's about deceit. Are you believing those lies? Are you recognizing what they are? Think about it. Pray about it, please. So I'm going to go on the next question. How should Christians relate to the world system? And this is a very important question because there are those who might think, you know, well, this is just a terrible system. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go off into the mountains. I'm going to go off into the hills and I'm not going to be, uh, I'm not going to be in it. Um, and I, I don't, I don't think that's exactly what Christ tells us. So let's go through some scriptures here and see how we relate to the world system. So John chapter 15, verse 19 says that we as believers are not of this world because Christ chose us out of the world. He chose us out of the world system. John chapter 17, verse 14 says, we are not of the world because Christ is not of the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 13, it tells us that we have not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given us. And this is what we speak, not in words taught by, to us by, by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So... If we pull ourselves out of the world system and go off into the hills, how effective would we be as ambassadors for Christ? Because it says here, we are ambassadors of Christ as though God were making his appeal through us. So it sounds to me like he uses us to achieve his purposes. And that we're going to implore people on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. That's what we're told to do. We're told to make disciples of all the nations. And we can't do that if we're not amongst the nations. Yeah, it can be tough. It tells us we're going to have tribulation. It tells us we're going to suffer persecution. But God is our Father. And He knows this. He loves us. And we do this for Him. 
Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. There is a lot there. You look at this, renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. It's, it's renouncing these things that the world system wants you to do. And it tells us instead to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. And while we're doing that, we're waiting. We're waiting for a blessed hope, the appearing of Jesus Christ, our Savior. He gave himself for us and redeemed us from, redeemed us from all lawless, lawlessness. And then it says to purify for himself a people. So as we go through our lives, it's called sanctification. Are we, are we allowing him to purify us? Are we renouncing the ungodliness and worldly passions so that he can purify us? So James chapter 4, verses 4 through 10, this is a very strong passage, a strong warning about friendship with the world. And it starts off, you adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever chooses to be a friend of the world renders himself an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to dwell in us yearns with envy? But he gives us more grace. This is why it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify you hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and weep. Turn your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Clearly, God does not want us to have this friendship with the world system, drinking deeply of all that it has to offer. He wants to keep us separate in our conduct, make us pure, make us like his son, Jesus Christ. And the world system can pollute us. It can corrupt us. And God does not want that to happen. We have to be in the world system, but not of the world system. And we have to be very discerning about those things that we partake of within the world system. First John chapter four, verses four through six. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. So, One of the key elements of this passage is the one who is in you, the Holy Spirit, is greater than the one who is in the in the world, meaning the devil, his 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 companions, his demons, all that sort of stuff. So the Holy Spirit is God and is much more powerful 
than this this spirit in the world. Remember that. Remember who you serve. Remember who he has put inside you. 1 John chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. He gives you the Holy Spirit in this fight. He hears your prayers. Pray to him. He gives you his word. Pray on the word. Meditate on it. Pray to to the Father. Stay in fellowship with, with other believers. Love one another. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. He equips us for this. Know how he equips us. Do not succumb to the world. Do not succumb to the world system. Matthew 5, verses 10 through 12 tell us, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. We can expect this persecution. We can expect to be reviled by the world system. But we should not lose hope because of that. We should count it as joy that we are being persecuted for the sake of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was persecuted as well. And then finally, Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So Jesus here is acknowledging that, yes, in the world system, he's sending us out. We're going to be in the midst of wolves. But he tells us to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And don't think wise as serpents means he's telling us to sin or anything like that. He, he's just telling us to, to take advantage of the situation that we're in and, and use it to his glory. Okay, The end never justifies the means. Only the right thing done in the right way is right. And that's the way God sees it. So always follow what God says and do things the way he wants us to do them. So that, that's how we should relate to the world system within the world system, okay? So the next question I'm going to ask is, what is the Christian's role while having to live in this world system? So John chapter 17, verse 15, you'll see that Christ did not pray for us to be taken out of the world. He's very specific about this, but rather that we be protected from the evil one, the leader of this world system I'm talking about. Isn't that amazing? He was praying for us before he went to the cross. And now he's in heaven interceding for us. He loves us. He knows the situation we're in. He's praying for us to be protected while we're here so we can carry out our mission. Galatians chapter 6, verses 14 through 15. But as for me, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is a new creation. So it's talking about us being crucified to the world. All those passions, all those desires, all that stuff that dangles before us, that's gone. That should have no impact on us. And we're crucified to the world. 
we have the Lord Jesus Christ. We have, we have his cross to look through and what he paid on that cross. So in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. And then in verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So he's telling us in the system, while we're here on this earth, we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We're to carry the gospel, the good news to the people here so they can be set free from this evil world system, being a slave to sin and having the, the, the devil as their, their father within this system, you know, giving them that gospel that can repent and be saved. Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Do, this this, this um, reinforces the, the point about being light of the world. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and perverse generation. Let me back up. He wants us to be blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and perverse generation generation in which you shine as lights in the world as you hold forth the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Shine as lights in the world as as we hold forth the word of life. That is our job to do that. That's how we operate in this world system. It's not to, to lower ourselves to partake of this mundane, corrupted things of this world. We are to provide the word of life. Glorify God. James chapter 1, verse 27. Pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This describes our fight. It's not against the flesh and blood around us. We need to be praying for the people around us, praying that they be saved, pray for our leaders. This battle is against the authorities against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We need to continually pray to God for his support, for his protection, for his blessings upon us, because this is a spiritual fight. It goes back to what I said at the beginning. I think there's been largely a dismissal of the spiritual realm or, you know, it doesn't have any impact or anything like that. According to this verse, it, it kind of does, doesn't it? Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 19. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated 
from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That last part there shouldn't describe any of us Christians about indulging in every kind of impurity. We need to keep ourselves separated from that sort of behavior. We shouldn't be full of greed. We should be humble. We should be giving. So backing backing up to the beginning, you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Once we're saved, we don't live any longer like that. We should not. Do we? Acts chapter 5, verse 29 says that in this system, we must obey God rather than men. And then 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13 says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether to a king as the one in authority. So I intentionally put we must obey God rather than men before this one because we obey every human institution unless it violates what God tells us. Several verses tell us to not love or seek the approval of men rather than the approval of God. We should always, always, always be seeking God's approval of what we do rather than seeking the love or approval of our actions from men. We should always base our actions on the approval of God. And then finally, to reiterate it, in this world system, we are ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Okay, just a couple more questions here. Actually, this isn't really a question, but I wanted to put a section in here about um, warnings from God about the world. I, just, I, I wanted to kind of group them here so we could hear them. Because we're in this corrupted, evil, God-hating world system, God has to warn us about certain things. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. John chapter 12, verse 25, He who loves his life will lose it, and he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Okay, so we're talking about the life in this world system. You know, if you love your life in this world system and you want to stay in this world system, you're going to lose it for eternity because that means you hate God. But he who hates his life in this world system will keep it for eternal life, meaning that they, they have come to accept Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God? Do not be conformed to this world. I'm going to have an episode coming up, I'm not sure when, where I'm going to talk about um, how the world tries to conform us to its system and one of the main methods that it uses. It says, do not be conformed to this world. So look around you. What what things in your life are trying to conform you to the world system and its in its beliefs, its behaviors, um, you know, it, the, the sin that it wants us to do. You know, find those things and get rid of them. Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. So going back to the deception piece in this world system that I talked about at the beginning. 
which are based on human tradition and the spiritual forces of the world rather than on Christ. So we have that human wisdom, which God calls foolishness. And it also wraps in here the spiritual forces of the world, going back to that spiritual battle and how the spiritual realm influences things in this world system. Okay, I want to read this one again. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, which are based on human tradition and the spiritual forces of the world rather than on Christ. Okay? We should take all our thoughts captive to Christ. Okay? Using his word so we can be his captive and not a captive of this of this world system where it's philosophy or it's empty deception, right? And then 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. So this is Paul talking here about how someone who was working with him abandoned him because he loved the world. He abandoned his mission. That's a warning for us. We need to be careful not to love this world because that puts us at enmity with God and we could abandon the mission that, that God has for us. So the last question I'm going to ask is, what is the future of this world? Well, Rev- Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, um, the great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. So we're going to end up seeing them hurled down. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 31 tells us that the world in its present form is passing away. So all this stuff that we see, this whole world system right now, it's passing away. So why, why love it? Love Christ. Love God. And 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7 tells us God will destroy this world with fire. But the good news is that Christ is coming back to rule and reign for a thousand years with his saints. Oh, what a glorious day that will be when he rules the nations with a rod of iron and righteousness will reign. He is coming back. Be prepared for that. Be alert, be watchful, be awake. The scriptures tell us that that is the position that we should be in. We should not be slacking off. We should not be turning and beating our servants. And we should not be engulfed in the things of this world. We should always be vigilant for the return of our Savior. So in conclusion, I ask that you please consider what I've shared with you today. And based on that, I hope it's influenced the way you think about this world that we live in and your life in it. And to, to make adjustments accordingly based on what I've told you. So it's very, very important that we understand the environment we're in, the enemy that we're facing, and how he influences this environment, how he controls it, and how and, and what it seeks to do and accomplish, achieve, and who it is against. It's against God. It's against Christ. And we also need to understand our mission within the system because Going back in John 17 to to Christ's high priestly prayer, when he was praying for us now, those of us who live now, before he even went to the cross, he was praying that we are protected in this world. He did not pray for us to be taken out of this world. He's very specific about it, but to be protected from the evil one. We need to understand why 
because we're to make disciples. We are his ambassadors while we're here. Please remember to heed his words, to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Be a living sacrifice to him while you're here because he is worthy. Yes, the world system is wretched, evil, deceitful, but God is greater. I implore you to forsake the idols and trappings of this world and worship him alone. Thank you so much for listening today. I I, I hope you got something out of this. Um, I'm honored to have the privilege to be able to share this with you, that um, the Lord gives me this opportunity. Um, The next... Uh, installment in this particular series um, that that I started teaching at um, in, in the men's group at Dunwoody Community Church will be uh, about about Jesus's high priestly prayer in John chapter 17. Not sure where I'm going to record it yet, um, but I do hope to uh, share that with you in the in the coming weeks. And uh, until then, may God richly bless you. And all this for His glory and His glory alone. Amen.